Hey friends, Rick Lee James here. I just wanted to step on here real quick to let you know that today's episode is a little different than normal. It wanders into some of uh, the political territory that I try to shy away from on the show just a little bit. But David Weissman is our guest, and I wanted him to have a chance to be able to tell his story. And it's kind of hard to do that without letting him express some of his political views. And we just wanted to let you know right at the top of the show that David's views are David's views. We respect them, and we know that our listeners are coming from a lot of different places, and you may have different ideas than David. But mostly what I want you to focus on uh, with this episode as well, uh, no matter what your political views are, is, is the way that humans really can uh, change, and that changing our minds uh, tends to change our lives in many ways. Matter of fact, when we talk about repentance in Christianity, that's what we mean, that we turn and go another direction, another way. And so I'm fascinated by David's story. He's a really nice guy, and uh, I appreciate him taking some time to be able to share um, his life uh, going from being a Trump troll to being a peacemaker. And so uh, with that in mind, I just wanted to uh, kind of give you a little bit of a preface. There is a little background noise on his end because he had to record the call outside on his phone uh, from where he was calling from. Um, uh, but it, it still, I think, comes through very well, and you'll be able to plainly hear our conversation. So thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. Let me know what you think of today's episode. All right, here we go. This is Rick Lee James, and the music you are hearing is from my new album, Thunder. The title track, Thunder, is a never-before-released song by the late Rich Mullins. There are also 12 other tracks made up of original music, hymns, and readings to guide the listener on a journey. You can buy Thunder today on clear vinyl and CD or stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, and almost every other music streaming service. Thunder, hear it today at rickleyjames.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me, at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com, where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account, at Mr. Rogers Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm so glad that you can be here with us today. A question I want to ask today as we begin is, can a person change? And how does a person change? 
You know, in the Bible, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, there's a verse that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So with that in mind, if we change the way we think, can we change our lives? My guest today on Voices in My Head is blogger and activist David Weissman. David is a person of the Jewish faith. He is also a writer for the Times of Israel, which is found at www.timesofisrael.com. David was born in New York, and he served in the U.S. Army for 13 years with two deployments in Afghanistan. He is a former Republican and has now joined the Democratic Party, and is doing his best to fight for the rights of others. And that isn't the most interesting part of the story, however. We all know Republicans, we all know Democrats, and chances are that they are our good friends and family, and even if we aren't even on the same page together, we still know and love them. But what's so fascinating about David's story wasn't that he was just a Republican. And it wasn't that just that he was a staunch Republican. David was a full-throated Trump supporter, and in fact was a Trump troll online. The fact that he now supports Elizabeth Warren should tell you that there has been a change that has happened. Well, I'm fascinated with that change, and the purpose of today's show is not to endorse a political party, but to have a discussion about change and how it happens in people, and to listen to a person who has had a major change in his life. David Weissman, after that long introduction, welcome to Voices in My Head. Well, that was, that was a perfect introduction, and thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Well, it is a pleasure to have you, and I came across you first, um, I, I guess on Twitter was where I first became aware of you, and um, I noticed the way that you you do talk a lot about politics, but you also mm -hmm. have a, a different way about you because you are very gracious to people, even people who are not necessarily very kind to you. And what I found amazing was to find out that at one time you were a troll online, that you were literally yeah. trolling people and kind of making their life miserable. Yeah, um, I, I was. I was a very angry, you know, conservative troll. And, um, you know, I trolled people. I gave them a lot of hard time for blaming the things they do. Um, I was always conservative for like longest, you know, for many, many years. I've always told a Republican. And I, I believed in a lot of that propaganda on Fox News and other conservative outlets and had this fear that, you know, Democrats are taking our rights away. So, you know, a lot of that fear mongering installs a lot of anger, you know, in people um, thinking that this is what's, this is what's happening. Hmm. And, 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 you know, when you see people are fighting for other people's rights, it's like, no, they'll take our rights away. So um, it gets people so angry and walled up. And that's why, there's, that's why you know, platforms like that are so toxic because there, there's no boundaries, no um, enforcing policy on how people should be treated on that platform. Hmm. So, I mean, I was, I was very troll trollish and, you know, and, and it felt, I mean, I don't know if it's because of the PTSD from being in the army or, I mean, it felt like when, he, when, he, when I logged in, it was like a, a point in combat, social hmm. media combat. And it just, everybody had their armies. You know, you had your conservative army, you had your you know, liberal army, and everybody was going at it, you know, 100%. Hmm. So that's what it seemed like every day, and, you know, until that one moment, you know, that pretty much changed my life. Sure. Well, let's, let's dive in a little bit to your story here so we can find out kind of about your journey from where you were and where you are now. Uh, if we could, let's go to your background in the military, as you already alluded to. Uh, if I'm correct, I believe you were a chaplain assistant in Afghanistan. 
Correct. Um, I was in for 13 years. Um, I went to uh, two uh, deployments in Afghanistan as a chaplain assistant. And even though I wasn't a chaplain, you know, I, I did a lot of security because a chaplain doesn't carry a weapon. And that's where I came in to make sure chaplain was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we went where the soldiers went. You know, a lot of it were front lines and seen action, stuff that I didn't want to see. And, but, you know, that comes with the territory, you know, being in the Army. And, and I wonder if that was, you were working uh, for a Christian chaplain, but you yeah. are a Jewish person yourself. So right. w- what was that like? Um, oh, that was interesting. I mean, we learned about each other's faith. You know, we had questions and talks and you know, it was respectful. You know, in a chaplain corps, you're supposed to respect all faith groups. Um, I mean, in fact, when you sign in, you sign a waiver um, saying that you would support all faith groups. And I know there are some people like, you know, sort of hesitant, but understand, you know what, you're there for the soldiers. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not there for yourself. You know, you are there for yourself too. But you know, free, you know, freedom of religion. Everybody has right to practice their faith. You know, don't, don't agree with it. Sure. So it's well, it good Well, that's fascinating, and I've I've made some really good friends over the years um, who are chaplains in the military, and that's been my experience with them as well. And uh, and and even someone like myself, who who is pretty anti-violent uh, when it comes to the way that I live my life. They have been so wonderful to me, and we've been able to share such good fellowship. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, about that and sort of the fellowship you had with them together. I want to ask, while we're talking about your service, um, how did being in Afghanistan and, and being really on the front lines and being with the chaplain, how did that change your views on war? Um, well, um, I think I did have a negative outlook towards, um, you know, people of Islam, because I, you know, thought that was, I mean, not just with the deployments, but being as a Jew, and you hear the stories in Israel with the war between Palestinians and Israelis, you know, you always already have a negative outlook on that. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't really good, even though I should have known better being a soldier, um, but, I mean, you know, when you see 9, after 9-11, you, because before 9-11, you know, there wasn't really much talk about the Islam faith and what they actually practice and people and what they contributed to society. It's like 9-11 happened and, you know, all you think is like terror attacks, terror attacks, terror attacks. Mm. And that's that's part of the fear-mongering that a lot of the conservative propaganda um, did about the Islam community. Mm. And part of my, I don't know if you know, but part of my journey, actually, I went to, um, I actually went to a Ramadan service and learned a little bit about, you know, and I was kind of floored how it was nothing compared to what I originally thought about Islam. Well, and that is fascinating, and we've had a few people of the Islamic faith on our show here. Matter of fact, this coming weekend, at the time of recording this, I'll be, uh, I've been invited once again to be a guest um, at his, at his, and an Islamic Day celebration here in the city where I live at. And uh, as, as a Christian minister, uh, I take that, you know, to be quite an honor. And I was able to be with them last year. And, and you're right. It's, it's not what we're often told. And when we start developing relationships with people, um, we start to understand uh, many different things. And there's a lot of diversity there that we didn't understand before. Right. Um, so I want to kind of find out how your writing career began and who some of your influences were, because it sounds like up to this point in the story, and, and I think always you were probably trying to approach this from a good place. You probably felt like right. you were doing the right thing. You felt like 
for instance, yeah. Islam was a, a threat, and you you wanted exactly. to protect people. Yeah. Um, so how so, did yeah. The, yeah just tell us a little bit of your journey into how you started writing about this and how you got more and more involved in it. Sure, and that's that's kind of kind of funny thing too because people because you'll see Trump supporters saying, "Why did this liberal get a blue check mark?" Which is kind of funny because. Um, you know, a lot of people know that I actually began writer even before I was a columnist even before 2016. Hmm. In, in fact, um, I did a lot of posting on Facebook, just, you know, expressing how I felt. Because you're right, because a lot of a lot of people are basically misinformed, and a lot a lot of it is through misinformation. So I, you know, I was concerned about the Iran deal. That was one of my biggest concerns. Hmm. Being in Israel at the time, because after my military career, I lived in Israel for a few years before I came back to the States. And so I, you know, I was, you know, talking a lot about, about that, and my influence at the time were Sean Hannity, uh, a lot of people, Fox News, Breitbart, CRTV, a lot, a lot of different conservative outlets. And that's where I was getting my information. And, um, so, in fact, uh, there's an outlet called the Conservative the Dispatches from the Conservative Underground that I first took my uh, first uh, blog that I've written for. And in fact, it was actually about the, you know, about the Iran deal. And, you know, and, that's, and it took off from there. So, I mean, I was, I was inspired by Hannity and others to, to get involved politically, and, you know, that's where it started. Okay, so Sean Hannity was a really big influence, and and this was back even uh, when when George W. Bush was president, I think. So it wasn't just like yep. yesterday or anything like that. So. Exactly, exactly. It's you know been a major influence for a long time. Okay, so so this sort of uh, philosophy had had kind of been something that you had been immersing yourself in more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm interested in is. This whole idea of trolling, I'm not sure that all of us understand exactly what trolling is and and how it operates sometimes and and but you became one is what we would call a troll, yeah, so well, maybe you can explain a little bit to us like how do trolls meet and sort of devise strategies and and what do they do? What's that kind of look like? Well, um I was invited to different uh, Twitter groups. Um, I was in different Facebook groups. Um, but the trolling actually happens more on Twitter, and you know, when, as you can see, with different um, conservative people would speak out on an issue, things would start to trend, and you see the trends. Um, the, the different, the different high-profile accounts would bring them into the groups, talk about it, and then you work on saying, hey, this, you, know, you go after this person. This person is doing this. This person is doing that. So it's sort of like it, it is it's sort of like um coordinated uh, attack, I guess we're going to call it that, on, on Twitter, to go after that person, try to tell them, hey, they're wrong, this is not right, you're violating this, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's very well coordinated, and there's tons, tons of groups. I was in several hmm. um, um, in a lot of these groups. Wow. So, it, yeah, it's very, very, very coordinated. They know what they're doing. I mean, that's why they've been so successful. So it, it's interesting that just today, I had literally just a few minutes before uh, we 
got on to chat today, um, there was a, a report that came out from the Senate Intelligence Committee. And the report, this is one very interesting thing, and it may be so new I'm not even sure you've heard it yet, but I'm going to read it real quick just for reference to the kinds of things that began being shared. Um, it says, from the Senate Intelligence Committee report, it says, according to one November 2016 analysis, in the final three months leading up to Election Day, calculated by a number of shares, reactions, and comments, the top performing intentionally false stories on Facebook actually outperformed the top news stories from 19 major news outlets. The analysis found that in terms of user engagement, the top two intentionally false election stories on Facebook included articles alleging Pope Francis' endorsement of Donald Trump for president and Hillary Clinton's sale of weapons to ISIS. Um, so it, it's interesting, you know, we have all these stories that are, are blatantly fake, like Pizzagate and birtherism and things like that, um, that are interesting, but I'm fascinated by the way that these false narratives get started, and then not just get started, but then get perpetuated, and then even to the point of outperforming actual news story from major, major news outlets. Um, people, people like drama, people like um, clickbait articles, it's to, you know, get people reacting, um, even though it's completely false. I mean, it's, it's, that's how Trump does. I mean, Trump tweeted today about the emails, uh, from Hillary today, you know, 2019, about the emails situation that happened, you know, back in 13, you know, 2013 or 12, I believe. And it's, it's reactionary. It's, um, it's the startup stuff, very divisive, and and that and that all comes to trolling. That's all connected to the trolling behavior. Hmm. So, so so you were you know at the same time you were talking about how there is something about the reaction that it feels good, and you were sort of welcomed into a group of people you know who sort mm -hmm. of shared these beliefs together. And right. what what was your agenda? Let's let's go back to like the 2016 election because that's just a little bit closer to mine. What would your agenda have been at that time? Oh, it was very conservative agenda. Um, in fact, I was so conservative I originally voted for Ted Cruz uh, hmm. prior prior to picking Trump. Uh, that's how conservative I was. Huh. I care I cared about the Second Amendment. You know, nobody touch guns. Don't touch them. You know, I believe that Democrats wanted to take guns. I believe, you know, that they wanted to take our free speech, religion away. Um, a lot of this misinformation I believe in. And I, you know, I, I felt, and a lot of people feel that, you know, rights wanted to be taken away instead of just, you know, what I know now that people are, you know, they can actually fight for other people's rights without taking your rights away, which is actually the truth. But um, at the time, I didn't know that. So a lot of a lot of people are afraid about the rights being violated, rights being taken away, mm. and that that's so a lot of this is fear, and you're thinking that we're all being patriotic. Um, and then you know when, when Trump won the, nom the nomination, I felt that okay, he's the guy. You know, okay, so he's not very very conservative, but he knows what's a priority, and he knew, you know. He knows what's going on, which I thought he was patriotic. He cares about the military. And I, I'm thinking all these things because I, I trust in Kennedy at the time. That, okay, if Kennedy wants him to be president, you know, then he's definitely better than Clinton because everybody hated Clinton you know, mm. on the Republican side. Um, so it was, it was a pretty simple choice to say, all right, I'm going to go with Trump. 
you know, Trump was saying a lot of stuff that we wanted anyway. Um, you know, wanted wall security, keep immigrants out. Um, you know, he knew exactly what conservatives wanted. Hmm. So it was like, okay, this is the guy. And once, once I um, decided to vote in support for Trump, I, you know, they welcomed me in, and you know, I, I began supporting their, you know, each other. We were working together, trying to get political for Trump. Well, it, it, it's fascinating to me, too, because, again, um, w- one thing that, and, and by the way, I, I think this is this is an admirable thing for conservatives and uh, it, in the fact that you were really a family values person, you know, right. <laughs> um, and, and it sounds like that could be a good thing, you know, uh, and, and you were thinking you're protecting the American way of life and there's a lot of exactly. anxiety going on about Muslims and Mexicans and and it's interesting that often those anxieties are in places where there are not a lot of Muslims and Mexicans, um, and they're sort of this, you know, invisible presence, you know, in people's lives. And, but, and that's the thing too. A lot of conservatives are, um, they have this conception that America is one way of life, and yeah. I've learned that's not the case. No. Yeah, and and that's and that's true. Then there's there's a lot of different American ways of life. I always say the different parts of the the country that I go to, I feel like I'm in multiple countries, uh, just in the middle of the United States at times. <laughs> right? It does well, seem like that sometimes. Well, I'm curious for you because I see this a lot, and I I just am curious as to how you justified something like, for instance, um, where it was just three years ago when the infamous Access Hollywood tapes came out. You know, where where Trump is caught on tape saying very demeaning things about women and and you know which is nothing new if you followed trump for a while that's not you know nobody's ever thought he was any sort of a saint <laughs> at all but but to hear it that way you know it was it was shocking to me at the time i remember being very shocked by it and it was interesting though i would see especially because i am a christian a lot of my evangelical friends they quickly found ways to justify it and and you know, call it. Eh, it's just locker room talk, and it made me think. Yeah. Oh, well, you're not in my locker room because I don't hear people talking like that. You know. Um, it's always it's always been excuses because it, it felt like um, that the you know when as we called the left and Hollywood and all of them were trying to demonize him, you know, trying to make him this bad guy, and it's like oh, no, it's just locker room talk. You always seem to make an excuse for him. Hmm. And you I mean some people? I mean, I I never really studying his whole history but i know he wasn't a great guy uh-huh. and i'm thinking i'm thinking to myself oh he's just an average guy you know because guys are like that mm. i mean i admit that i'm not a saint i'm far from a saint um and you know so i'm thinking he's just a guy like me so what's the big deal you know yeah. that's what i thought and 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 it's and it's interesting that you know people like like you for instance were you know would probably have been very quick to um protect and justify and and mm-hmm. you know uh, and it was it's interesting isn't it that sometimes we will ignore all indecency in order to protect decency isn't it <laughs> well um, it's the agenda that people are protecting um what their interpretation of the constitution mm. their way of life they that's all they care about money because they think that trump was going to bring a good economy even though it's actually obama's economy that really helped our country mm. but these were the things that the trump supporters were very concerned and protective about mm-hmm. And would defend him no matter what, because you know he supports their agenda, hmm. regardless of decency. Right. 
Well, and that's that's the interesting thing about this. I it turns into a lot of whataboutism, as it's called, and and anytime you, which I I never understand. I always think like, well, maybe we should just doesn't matter which side we're on if we should do our best to be people who seek truth. And um, oh. and there and there was there was a turning point for you along the way that actually has to do with you discovering some truth. And yeah, and exactly what one of the truths I learned is that liberals do hold their own accountable. I've seen Democrats hold their own accountable. And yes, um, what happened, how that started is during a time where conservatives were supposedly being banned, um, I don't believe that now, obviously, but um, conservatives were saying they were being banned or shadow banned, and I made a tweet attacking two celebrities, because uh, in our comedy, mm-hmm. um, Sarah Silverman's one of them, and Stephen Colbert is another, and I said, hey Jack, you know, why are you silencing conservatives? Were you allowing these guys, um, you know, running amok? And there's no accountability. And then Sarah actually replied in a kind of way, which I was really surprised. Um, she said, you know, comedy is subjective. Uh, it's not caused, meant to be offensive. It's caused reaction to get people talking about issues and things like that. And so I was surprised that she responded, because normally when you go after celebrities, they block you, and it's sort of like a um, badge of honor. You know, they block you, know, they block you on Twitter. And so I thought, okay, she responded. Why didn't I find out why she doesn't like Trump? Because, you know, she's Jewish like me, and he cares about Israel. Um, so why, you know, what's her what's her deal? So I told, and then she actually told me about how he's anti-Semitic about Jews in America, because uh, he can actually be an anti-Semite and care about Israel based on, you know, evangelicals and. Um, of how he was misogynist and racism, different things like that. I was like, okay. And, you know, when I was dialoguing, I had no plans of leaving Trump support. I had no plans of leaving the Republican Party. I was just talking. Hmm. So then, then I wondered, okay, she's actually talking to me here. So why don't I find out why liberals believe the way they do? Because to me, it seems weird. Like, why would liberals care more about illegal aliens than they would care about the military? So, hmm. I, in fact, I actually asked that to her. And in tweets are still up. You know, it wasn't a private conversation. If you were to do an advanced search, you can actually see our conversations um, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so it's, that, uh, just just to interject real quick, if you don't mind, sorry. So, you know, ultimately, it was a not a conversation with a person you necessarily knew, but it was a conversation online with Sarah Silverman, who had the poise at the time, at least, to. Um, actually have a real conversation with you and, and not, right. not necessarily be defensive, but actually just started talking. And so right. you, you started this kind of relationship um, talking back and forth where you could ask questions you were wondering about. Exactly. And someone as progressive as she, because you know, conservatives considered Hollywood to be the enemy of America, almost like compared to terrorism in so many ways. Because, like I said, we think that... Um, they were trying to take our rights away, so this was kind of a shocker, you know, and it really shocked me that this happened. And so I asked her more questions, like, you know, why do you guys care about illegal aliens or military veterans? And she said, that's not true. You can actually care about immigrants and military veterans at the same time. And one, we're a country of uh, immigrants. Hmm. And then when she was, a lot of her followers were talking with me, showing me facts, you know, conservative media leaves out things like seeking asylum, where they actually have the right to uh, come to our country, and it's actually a human rights violation 
on what this administration is doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are many immigrants who served in the military, you know, undocumented immigrants that are in the military and are being important because they're undocumented immigrants. And I'm thinking, you know, that's not right. They're serving our country and getting the boot, you know, and so it's different things like that, you know, and I asked about gun control and, you know, when it came to the Second Amendment, it was right to bear arms. That's all I took for it. And I didn't actually read the fine print about well-regulated militia. Hmm. So when I asked her about that, she was like, no, we don't want to take your guns. We just want common sense laws, you know, and bring mass shootings down and doing things like that. So, um, you know, more and more, a lot. So while this is going on, and I realized a lot of the conservative talking points I learned was oh, lies. Hmm. So it was sort of a, a really shock to me that I, you know, this was going on. Hmm. And I asked what I learned about Hillary Clinton, President Obama, and the truth about them. And, you know, my world basically was turned upside down from that point. Hmm. Um, wow. So, literally, when some new information started coming into your life, and your mind started changing, it started changing your life as well. Uh, did, did you start finding yourself being, um, was it strange to start being more open to some people that you had maybe been closed off to before? It, it was very strange. Um, uh, I mean, because, you know, originally you didn't want to hear it, because, you know, the fake news bit that Trump uses, it's actually been around prior to Trump. A lot of conservatives um, called, you know, uh, called up, you know, CNN, MSNBC, fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, you know, <laughs> something that was blamed among conservatives. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it really changed my point to like to be open-minded because um, I I wrote a column, or an article about you know understanding because I. Because when she started talking, a lot of other people saw what was going on, and I made a lot of different contacts and relationships after her. I learned about, you know, police brutality, learned different things like that, and I was surprised because you never hear, see, you never see things like that on conservative media. So I made an article on understanding why I understand, hey, you know what, Kaepernick had the right to kneel. Um, you know, free speech is not what we think is free speech. Free speech should be right for everybody. Hmm. And what Trump was doing, try, uh, encouraging punitive actions was unconstitutional. Uh, not the part, I mean, NFL had the right to say what, what is allowed, but it was wrong for Trump to get involved. Hmm. That was the unconstitutional part. And then when she she made a comment saying, hey, we, we became friends, um, you know, you know, she said, hey, I, I like Trump. And so still, at the time, I still like Trump. Mm-hmm. I had no intention of leaving. Um, and she appreciated that I was learning from them, learning her and from other liberals and Democrats. And so, and then, and then I, that's where I really began. I, I led down my wall, my own wall, and I began asking more questions, talking to more people about different issues. And when Mag, you know, Maga saw this, they you know, saw it as like, you know, I'm not allowed to do that. And you know, and there's a lot of backlashes. I mean, I encourage them to look at the mentions. It's crazy. Hmm. Stuff, stuff that they come up with. 
Um, so, so uh, when you, if you don't mind me interrupting for just a moment, when you said there was a MAGA backlash, is that a particular group of people that you were involved with online, or just sort of anybody that was kind of trolling people for, I guess, the Trump train or whatever at this time? Right. Um, it was, it was the reactions were something else. I mean, being yeah. called traitor, being called. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a veteran here, and they know I'm a veteran. Why are they, why are they calling me a traitor? Why are they saying this, you know, these things about me? I mean, I, you know, I thought they were friends, I thought they were allies, hmm. and here they're calling me out like this just for dialoguing. Hmm. And it, and it seems to like snap a trance, like, I don't know, it's like when you sign up for it, you know, you really get so involved that, you know, you can do them wrong, like, I get because really believe that the press was handing me at the people, and you, you know, you, you get to a point where you believe all of that stuff. Hmm. So when when the trans was snapped out of it, trust me, I, I see how vile some of these people were, and I saw how the Trump was about it, and I then then I decided, okay, that's you know, this isn't good for the country, hmm. and I then I actually began to research because I. When I realized a lot of the stuff that conservatives have said were wrong, I began to question their judgment on Trump. And I went back and researched about him and learned that he was a draft doctor and learned that he um, didn't like uh, military members. Uh, uh, you know, things he said about soldiers having PTSD, um, you know, different things like that. And, you know, he had a lot of failures. He wasn't great at businessman. He had a lot of bankruptcy, a lot of issues. Um, you know, he, he wasn't this Captain America guy that I thought he was. Hmm. And, you know, cause you, you, you start letting him believe that that's, he's almost like a patriotic superhero. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm seeing that that's far from the truth. That's not reality. Hmm. And then, and then I decided, you know what, I'm no, and I'm not gonna, I'm no longer gonna support Trump. And when I saw his meeting with Putin, um, where he left himself vulnerable to have a closed door meeting with our, you know, enemy, you know, Putin of all people, and that that confirmed that I made the right decision. Hmm. And well, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, uh, I was saying uh, at the time I I haven't fully crossed over to Democratic Party. I was sort of an independent at the time because I went from leaving the Republican Party from all the lies and stuff that they said about the rules that weren't true. Um, I was independent, and um, so and then the more I learned, I saw how Democrats fight for rights of others, um, want common sense gun laws. You know, a lot, a lot of their stuff that they fight for sort of hit me home, and I realized the truth of these things. And you know, the Democratic Party actually seems like a pretty good place. Hmm. I mean, of course, no one's perfect. You know, in in the party, there's no corruption. You know. All around, you know, no one's perfect, mm -hmm. but the stuff that I learned, the stuff that I believe in now, my values have changed. Um, we're in line more of the Democratic Party, so I decided to join with them. Hmm. Well, this is this is a fascinating story, and I, I appreciate you sharing it. I I know that I personally have have never really felt like I found a home on any side of the political spectrum. Um, probably because of my religious beliefs, and I always feel like a lot of things fall short. But what I have always appreciated um, when, is, is when I'm able to pull away from social media and actually sit down with people and have good conversations and hear different perspectives. Um, I have different friends of, 
that are, are pretty liberal in their beliefs. I have different friends that are pretty conservative in their beliefs. But I always am amazed at how much we all really have in common together and the way that we really, I think, are hopefully looking for the truth. And sometimes when we're able to get away from some of these online worlds, you know, we're able to actually be a part of our community. And it's not that we have to agree with each other on every single thing, but I, I the part that I really love about your story is it seems like there has been a new openness as you've been able to change your mind about some things to be able to have some new relationships and to be able to, to see some new truths that maybe you weren't able to see before. And, and one thing I really want to commend you on in this conversation, it, it is such a hard thing for a person um, to make a change, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 is, it can disrupt everything. And in Christianity, we call it repentance because it, it means a literal turning around and going the opposite direction of where we went. And it's a right. hard thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's very hard. It wasn't easy. And, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't think people realize how hard it was or hard it still is. I mean, I'm, uh, I mean this happened. I mean, it wasn't fast, but yet yeah, it was. And it was a lot to... Uh, to digest and it still is and I mean it's like your whole world has been turned upside down um, like everything you were led to believe were lies and I mean mm. how do you how does someone process all of that stuff mm. yeah and and a lot of it is learning to to read um, you know better sources and things like that so often we find just maybe because we haven't done research uh, that that is actually pretty easy to do online anymore, whether a site is legitimate or not, and things like that. But a lot of people we just don't know that, and I I think it's a lot. People like yourself, who who I, I can tell just from talking to you, you probably have a heart as big as Texas, you know, and uh, and that you really wanted the best for people at all times. Um, and it's interesting how we can get so caught up in things that. At one point in our life, we were so involved in, and later on down the road, we've made a complete change from that. And I, I just find that kind of very fascinating. And, and I want to um, uh, commend you just for um, your openness and, and doing that hard work, which I which I know must still be ongoing. That you're still seeking and, and trying to grow as a person. Right, and, and you know, I'm going actually about a lot of stuff outside of Twitter because um, I mean, you can't just you can't make any changes. Well, I mean, you can, but you can't at the same time. I mean, I, I've been to different parades. I've, you know, been to different meetings. I you know it, it encourages you to want to do more for the community, and I, and it's it's been an amazing experience. Hmm. You know, it, it's worth all. I mean, yeah, I, I know sometimes I often talk about the trolls trolling me, but you know, you know, there's definitely been a positive experience too, not just the negative. Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Are, are, and you're still at this time having a lot of a lot of people attack you because you've changed your mind, aren't you? Right. Yeah. Personal attacks. Um, yeah. Um, professional attacks. All, I mean, from all over the place. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but you know, hey, I was I was part of them, so I can understand why they why they go that route. But I just gotta learn to ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know what I've I've noticed that you just following you a little bit on Twitter, you do seem to have such a gracious way, at least what I've seen, um, and the way that you interact with people who are sometimes just seemingly pretty nasty to you. Um, I I can so appreciate the way that you are trying to respond in grace to them, and and the way that um, 
you're trying to actually help have dialogue. And I know that's just as difficult as anything else because sometimes people don't want to hear it. We, we tend to get into our little bubbles, and it's hard to get out of those things. Uh, but I appreciate the gracious way that I've seen you have uh, a number well, of times you. online, for sure. Well, if you're, I mean, if you're paying pay it forward, you know, it wasn't for that happening to me, I would still be that, you know, still be that guy, you know. I, I definitely want to pay that same caring uh, and it's an over to other people but hmm. it doesn't always work sometimes it does well David this has been really great to get to just spend some time talking with you about the, the changes that can come about in lives and um, and the purpose of the, the show today was really not um, to, to bash conservatives or lift up liberals or anything like that but it really was just an opportunity to have a chance to, to think about the ways that when we change our minds uh, that really can change our lives and it can change our perspectives and uh, and this could apply to a whole lot of different things not just politics right right absolutely yeah we definitely can be people who uh, I know a lot of people say that people can't change but I, I truly do believe we can and and it's a much easier change if we have people walking on the journey together with us uh, we may not believe things 20 years down the road that we believe today but hopefully we will still have relationships that we had 20 years down the road with people that are good enough to walk alongside of us. And uh, I want to thank you for spending some time here with us today, just kind of telling your story. It's fascinating to me. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Well, as I say to my guests each week on this podcast, David Weissman, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.